Thank you for watching NTD Business. Coming up tonight, a second train derails in Ohio from the same company. Was there anything toxic on this one? An e-bike battery sparks a devastating fire in New York City. How can owners help prevent this from happening? Tesla cutting prices for its electric vehicles again for the fifth time this year. What does CEO Elon Musk say about the cuts? And stand aside spy balloons. Chinese spy cranes are now in the spotlight. Pentagon officials are worried these cranes are collecting data on what's going in and out of the country. As U.S.-China tensions keep rising, we talk to a New York Times best-selling author about the possibility of an EMP attack on the American power grid. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here. In Ohio, a second Norfolk Southern train derailed over the weekend, this time near Springfield. No one was hurt. Authorities say there's no indication of any risk to public health. There was no release of any chemical or any hazardous material to the soil, to the air, to the water. Uh, We were, of course, tracking that closely. About 20 cars of the 212-car freight train jumped the tracks on Saturday. A shelter-in-place order was lifted Sunday morning after no hazardous materials were found. An investigation is underway to figure out what caused the train to derail. A different Norfolk Southern train derailed in East Palestine, Ohio, last month. That derailment spilled toxic chemicals, and residents remain concerned about the long-term health effects from that spill. Norfolk Southern released a six-point safety plan today, including adding detectors to help identify overheated bearings. It is believed that overheated bearings caused the East Palestine derailment. In New York City, an e-bike battery sparked a massive fire in the Bronx yesterday. It destroyed a supermarket and a laundromat. Here's the city's fire commissioner. This entire building behind me is completely destroyed. The roof is caved in. There is nothing left. Um, And it is all because of this one single bike. And so we really want to emphasize to the public how much damage can be done by a single bike that isn't compliant, a single bike that might be uh, not UL certified, might be using an illegal battery. She says lithium-ion batteries are to blame for more than 400 fires in the city over the past four years. The commissioner and Mayor Eric Adams are urging anyone with a lithium-ion battery-powered e-bike to use the correct batteries and chargers. And be careful where they store them. Mayor Adams said the devices should not be inside your home. The New York City Police Department doubled down on their plea today for businesses to ask their workers and customers to take off their masks before entering. It comes after a gunman wearing a hazmat suit and face coverings shot and killed a worker in a Manhattan bodega over the weekend. The NYPD chief of department says just last week he asked business owners to have their workers remove their masks. Four days later, four days later, someone enters a store late at night with a mask, with a hood, Tyvek suit and rubber gloves on. And now we have a person, a store clerk a hard-working, innocent person who's gone now. The same gunman is linked to multiple robberies in New York City, but police said because of his mask, hoodie, and the hazmat suit, they're having a hard time identifying him. Chief Madry says businesses should have people show their faces as a condition of employment, and customers should show their faces when they're entering the store. And once they've identified themselves, they can put back their masks on. 
The device comes amid a surge in shoplifting in New York City, forcing chain stores to close down and costing retail workers their jobs. And it's not only bodegas. Marshalls in Harlem has lost $4 million in loot with looters this year. And they all go in looking the same way, covering their faces. It's about all the small businesses in New York. You know, we need to take our city back. According to data analysis by the New York Post, there were over 63,000 reports of shoplifting and retail robberies in 2021 and over 43,000 incidents in 2022. Federal prosecutors say Sam Bankman-Fried should be allowed to have a flip phone with no internet access while on bail. The attorneys for the former FTX cryptocurrency exchange founder also support the proposal, which also calls for Bankman-Fried to have a basic laptop with limited functions. He's also going to be restricted from scrolling the internet. The proposals come after the judge found a threat of witness tampering and said he could possibly revoke Bankman-Fried's bail. He's been charged with multiple counts of conspiracy and fraud in what prosecutors allege is one of the largest financial frauds in U.S. history. Bankman-Fried has pleaded not guilty. He was released on a $250 million bond and is confined to his parents' home in Palo Alto, California. On Wall Street, stocks ended mixed today. The Dow added 40 points, or 0.1%. S&P added 3 points, also 0.1%. Nasdaq fell 13 points, also 0.1%. Tesla has cut prices again, this time for its two most expensive electric vehicles in the U.S. That's according to the company's website. Francis McGuire reports. Tesla has cut prices again, this time for its two most expensive electric vehicles in the U.S., That's according to the company's website. The reductions ranged from 4 to 5% on the Model S sedan. Both versions of the vehicle are now $5,000 cheaper, while they were at 8 to 9% for the more costly Model X or $10,000. In recent months, Tesla CEO Elon Musk said the automaker would focus on bringing prices down. He also said recent price cuts on other models had driven fresh demand. The latest discount is Tesla's fifth since the start of the year. The electric car maker slashed prices on its cars across all markets in January and offered discounts of up to a fifth. Many analysts saw that as the start of a price war by the market leader in electric vehicles. Meanwhile, two more senators are zeroing in on foreign tech products like TikTok. Virginia Senator Mark Warner is the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. The Democrat plans to propose a new bill this week, along with GOP Senator John Thune. Here's Senator Warner on Fox News Sunday. In terms of foreign technology coming into America, we've got to have a systemic approach to make sure that we can ban or prohibit it when necessary. Does that mean TikTok? That means TikTok is one of the potentials. The measure would aim at letting the government ban or prohibit foreign goods and services that are deemed risky. Warner also voiced concern that that the app can be a propaganda tool based on the types of video it sends to users. Pressure is rising on the popular video sharing app amid concerns that U.S. user data could fall into the hands of the Chinese regime. More than 30 states have banned the app on government devices. The White House has also borrowed the app from all federal technology. While the House Foreign Affairs Committee voted Wednesday to give President Biden the power to ban TikTok. In today's special report, we take a close look at Chinese spy cranes. Now, Chinese spy balloons have been talked about a lot in recent weeks, but now Chinese spy cranes are taking the spotlight. 
These giant Chinese-made cranes are operating in American ports, and U.S. officials are worried China is using these cranes to gather intel on important American shipping data. Around 80 percent of the cranes in American ports were made in China. They're made by Chinese manufacturer ZPMC. These cranes are used to load and unload container ships. Pentagon officials compared these cranes to a Trojan horse because China may be able to track what America is moving in and out of the country with advanced sensors and cameras. But so what? Why does it matter, right, if China knows where the U.S. is moving in and out of the country? We talked to former White House intelligence official Michael Sikora. Sikora says China's strategy is to gather different pieces of data to put together a complete picture of what the U.S. is doing. And if you're tracking what hardware comes in, where it's going, you can see from a commercial sector what's going on. You can also see from a military perspective in terms of what units are there, what size they are, what sort of gear they're getting in for training, which then strongly indicates exactly what they're expecting to be deployed. Aside from monitoring containers, for years people have wondered if China could control them remotely. Maritime historian Sal Mercogliano has been talking about this for over a year on his YouTube channel called What is Going On With Shipping? There's a definite concern here, according to him. If the cranes were able to be disabled, turned off, or damaged in a way, it would have a catastrophic impact on the port. What we saw during the height of COVID, during the supply chain crisis, would be magnified at ports around the United States because you would not be able to effectively move containers on and off the vessels. A logistics expert, Ross Kennedy, who's worked with ships and ports for 20 years, told us that China could have a better idea of how to hurt America with the data it collects. If you take data that's coming off these EPMC cranes, What you then begin to be able to do is really quantify the the health of the entire economy of the United States by knowing what we're truly shipping and what we're not shipping, what we're importing and not importing. When you overlay that with all the other data that's available to someone who's an economic planner or supply chain analyst, they can begin to get a very clear picture of what we're strong in and what we're weak in economically. Now, to put it simply, these cranes could track what's going in and out of the country. China could shut down all the cranes, and China could even control the cranes remotely. What can be done? Kennedy argues we should just get rid of them. The simplest and most straightforward way to go about it is for the U.S. government to subsidize those ports authorities, to rip the ZPMCs out all the way, send them to the scrapyard, or put them on a ship back to China and say, here, we don't want your cranes anymore, and install cranes that are manufactured by by companies and countries that are definitely integrated with the U.S.'s national security interests. Former White House intelligence official Michael Sikora believes this is a complex problem and that we need a complex solution to solve it. We're not going to solve it with one technology, one solution, one whatever. So it took time to put it in place. It's going to take time to take it out of place. And to do that, we have to do it in a way that our resources are utilized the most effective way to minimize the risk as much as possible at each step. The Chinese embassy in Washington says the U.S. is being paranoid and that being hostile to China is both irresponsible and harmful to U.S. interests. We reached out to ZPMC, but they didn't respond before airtime. Moving on. Instead of meeting in Taiwan, President Tsai Ing-wen has reportedly convinced House Speaker Kevin McCarthy to meet in the U.S., That's according to the Financial Times, citing people familiar with the matter. 
Meanwhile, according to a Reuters anonymous source, Tsai had been invited to speak at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in California. McCarthy last year expressed interest in visiting Taiwan if he became speaker. The U.S. does not have formal diplomatic ties with Taiwan, but is bound by U.S. law to provide the island with the means to defend itself. Washington has long had a policy of strategic ambiguity when it comes to Taiwan. That means it does not make clear whether it would respond militarily to a Chinese attack on Taiwan. However, President Biden said in September that U.S. forces would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion. Joining me is Dr. William Fortune, internationally renowned expert on EMP attacks. He's a New York Times best-selling author for the book called One Second After. So, Dr. Fortune, with the possibility of a Chinese invasion of Taiwan on the rise, if China does invade, uh, I'm sure the U.S. will be involved in some capacity or another. I mean, just look at Ukraine, right? And, you know, in a war, anything can happen. You're an expert on EMP attacks. Tell us what could happen in this area. All right. Uh, just a quick primer on EMP. EMP is shorthand for electromagnetic pulse. It's generated by detonating a small nuclear warhead 200 miles above the Earth's atmosphere, which then sets up an electrostatic discharge, cascades down to the Earth's surface, overloads our electrical grid, blows it all out. Now, if there was ever an attack on mainland United States, two to three small EMP weapons, if detonated, could basically shut down the United States electrical grid for months, even years. Two congressional studies have shown the casualty rate could go as high as 90%, 90% dying within the first year. I think the odds of an EMP attack on Taiwan are lower because it's so close to the coast of China and there would be a spillover effect on cities on the Chinese coast. I'm not so sure about EMP, therefore, in a Taiwan, Taiwan situation. Now, does China have the capability to do this to the U.S. To, for EMP attack? Oh, my attack? gosh, yes. I don't mean to cut you off quickly, but that is a big concern. Any nation that possesses nuclear weapons has the capacity, if they can have launch systems, rockets, to, of course, set off an EMP. China has been aggressively researching this. There's a lot of reports on this of China aggressively researching EMP strikes. Now, you mentioned 90% uh, of Americans could be impacted. Are we talking about 90% of Americans in, in the whole country or just in the area of, of the weapon? Okay. Picture what happens is if you detonate a weapon 200 miles up, the footprint, in other words, the line of sight, would cover the entire eastern United States, three weapons, the entire United States. So it would be cataclysmic. Uh, we're talking about 90% dying because if you shut down the grid, electricity is the basic fundamental of any modern society. What happens then? You lose water. Where would you get your, okay, let me ask you a question. You live in Manhattan, right? Or nearby? I do. We get, let's say New York City was EMP. Where would you get your water a day from now? Where would you get your food a week from now? All of these things together add up to disaster. Wow. So your New York Times best-selling book called uh, One Second After, I believe precisely explores the devastation that an EMP attack can cause. 
-hmm. What happened to the American society in your book? What happens to the American society is it disappears and society itself will get thrown back hundreds of years. No electricity, no modern society. Wow. And how vulnerable is the U.S. Uh, infrastructure to this kind of attack? <laughs> Do you want to get depressed? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a frightening scenario. Look, the average component in the American electrical and electronic infrastructure, the average component is 40 years old. It's antiquated. So let's say a big transformer blows out today, today, all right? There are no real, real replacement parts. We have a very low stockpile. So we order a new transformer. This is an interesting point. Order a big new component for your electrical system. Where does it come from? Take a guess. Just take a guess. Where do you think they're manufactured? China. I don't know, China. <laughs> yeah, of course. Average wait time is two years to get a new component in. You think China, if we lost our grid, is going to say, hey, don't worry, America. We're going to send over a whole new replacement for everything tomorrow. They'll just sit back and wait. That's funny, isn't it? If China does the attack, we're asking China to help with our uh, recovery. That, that's kind of ironic. How, how dependent are we in terms of infrastructure on China? I wonder if you know this. <laughs> I'm sort of speechless for a second here, and I talk about this all the time. We're totally dependent on foreign suppliers for almost every major component, even some things within the military. That was just some of what we talked about in this interview. To watch the full interview, head on over to NTD.com. We also talked about the differences between the current and previous administrations in defending the U.S. from a possible EMP attack. Taking a break now, but if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, the tax season is upon us. We talk with America's accountant to get some helpful tips for your filing of taxes. ATMs on the decline as more people go cashless after the pandemic. That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. ATMs are on the decline as the U.S. moves toward a cashless society. The Wall Street Journal reports that ATMs peaked in 2019 with 470,000 machines. Then the pandemic set off a surge in digital payments and the number began falling. The paper cites a Euromonitor projection that cash and check payments will fall to 14 percent soon. In 2010, they comprised 42 percent of transactions. Some Americans still rely on cash, and the trend could make it more and more difficult to get it. The IRS is reminding taxpayers that they have to report income from the gig economy, as well as from service industries, transactions from digital assets and foreign sources. Also, what is the situation with the reporting rule for online businesses of transactions over $600? We talked to America's accountant for some helpful tips. Joining me is Dan Geltrude, America's accountant and managing director of Geltrude & Company. You know, we're in the middle of the tax season. You know, I was wondering if you could give us some helpful tips uh, with tax filing. I mean, 
who better to talk to than America's accountant, right? Now, Dan, there seems to be some confusion about the $600 uh, reporting rule. I'm sure you're familiar with that. What exactly is the situation for tax year 2022? Well, the good news is, is that has been put off until 2023. So let me explain what that's about. So this is related to online transactions, business that is going over the internet. So the rule was 200 transactions with $20,000 worth of value would have to be reported on your tax return through what's called Form 1099-K. The rule was then changed to $600 period. And that basically would grab almost everybody who's transacting online or through an app. So because it seemed to be overwhelming and kind of at the last minute, the IRS decided that they would push that off for one more year. So we got a little bit of a break there. Right. And it was pretty controversial when they proposed the rule, right? Maybe talk a little bit about that. It was controversial from the standpoint of basically the IRS saying now there has to be formal reporting to us. You see, your income needs to be claimed either way. But the whole point of the IRS not having the ability to match up that income was the issue. So people assumed, well, I don't have to pay any taxes on that money. Really, that wasn't true. But now, based upon what the IRS is going to do for 2023, all that information is going to be reported to the IRS over $600 of payments. Now they're going to be able to match that, that up with your tax return. And if they don't match, well, then you're going to get a little note from the IRS asking you, where's the money? Right. And, and the IRS is reminding gig workers as well to report all sorts of incomes. What are some of the common issues for gig workers? Are, are there any new rules uh, this year? Well, the issue with gig workers is that if they didn't get any documentation related to their income, whether that's a 1099 or a K-1 or anything else, the assumption is, well, it's not reported to the IRS. Therefore, I'm not going to report it on my tax return. Now, you may very well get away with that because the IRS doesn't have the ability, let's say, right off the top upon filing to be able to match it up. However, if you're audited, that is certainly something that they could look into. So there's a lot of emphasis for compliance, voluntary compliance to say, hey, any income that you're getting from any type of work that you're doing, self-employed or otherwise, you must include that on your tax return. So on some of the areas we didn't mention today, any other tips that you can think of? Well, the IRS is also putting a lot of emphasis on people not reporting their tips. Just because you're getting tips in cash or in passes or tickets or anything that way that's not being reported directly to your employer doesn't mean that it's not taxable. So I think the IRS is really going to be focusing in on people who are involved in jobs that get tips to make sure there are tips being reported. Also keep in mind, being a U.S. citizen or being a resident alien, wherever you go and wherever you earn money, 
you have to pay Uncle Sam. The U.S. tax code follows you. So just because you're in a different country doesn't mean that you're not going to have to pay taxes to the United States. So keep that in mind if you're working outside the country. Very important tips, Dan. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. And a popular chocolate bar is getting a new look. It could leave it unrecognizable. The makers of Toblerone, long known as being a Swiss chocolate, plans to stop production in Switzerland. It's going to move manufacturing of the peak-shaped treats to the Slovakian capital. Along with the move, the company says the chocolate will lose its trademark packaging with the iconic Matterhorn Mountain. In a statement, the company said they're making the changes for legal reasons. Under Swiss law, national symbols like the mountain are not permitted on products that don't meet their criteria. The bar's new look has a distinctive Toblerone typeface and logo along with the signature of its creator, Theodore Tobler. And that's all today from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter if you're there. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please email us at ntd at business at ntd.com. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.